Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. So I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to unpack it. There's this incredible series of events that unfold in in Mark chapter 5, kind of 4, 5, and 6. But in Mark chapter 5, I'm going to start, just get right into unpacking this. Uh, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, speaking of Jesus, okay, immediately there uh, uh, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one uh, could bind him, not even with chains, because he'd, he'd been often bound with shackles and chains. The chains had been pulled apart by him, and uh, the shackles broken in pieces, n- neither could anyone tame him. And always, day and night, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. You know, there's something about that story right there that just... Ah oh, man, it, it it really it really challenged me because what I recognized was here's a man that 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 was full. I mean, if you look at it, he was full of demons, and yet there was still something in him. He had the capacity to actually come to Jesus and worship him. And what it challenged me with was like, man, how about us who have the Holy Spirit? How much more should we have faith? How much more should we? so I've been asking God, God, increase my capacity for faith and for trust. And, and, and I read this um, St. Theophilus of Antioch, who's a second century theologian, wrote this. We are called Christians because we have been anointed, that word is uh, charismatha, with the oil of God. And man, that, that phrase all morning during worship was like, ah, we've been anointed with the oil of God. The oil of God. And, 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 and I want to just tell you, a lot of times you know, we, we think, okay, well, I, I, I'm, I've been kind of failing in my walk or I've been a little bit, you know, I'm kind of distracted. Listen, you have an anointing on your life if you are a believer in Jesus. It's the oil of God. And the oil of God, that anointing of God is an equipping, it's empowering. It, it's one that gives hope. And then you, you're carrying the kingdom of God around you as a believer. You are a walking hope chest. I mean, and you're running into people all the time that they need hope. And you have within you, Christ in you is, is the hope of glory. And you walk in any situation, you can change the atmosphere because you're walking in there with, with hope inside you. And, and, and just, you know, just try it. Just say, okay, Lord, I want to be obedient. God will direct your steps to people that just need what you have. Amen? So we see that after Jesus in, in, in Mark chapter 4, uh, he, he, uh, he commands the wind and the waves to, to obey, then then he, then, he, then he comes across the, the, the sea, and he delivers this man that's full of demons. Then he crosses over the sea again, and, he, and I want to pick it up in verse 21 of chapter 5. It says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd, somebody say crowd, because that's going to be important, where a large crowd, not just a crowd, a large crowd had gathered around him on the shore. And then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay hands on her and heal her so she can live. And so Jesus went with him. And all the people followed crowding, there's that word again, crowding around him. Okay, the woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years 
with constant bleeding. Now, it's kind of interesting, just a little side note, but you find that that Jairus' daughter was 12 years old, and this woman had been suffering from this condition for 12 years. And it's kind of interesting when you kind of put together, like, okay, what's, you know, what's, what's happening here? Just, just one of those factoids for those guys that really want to kind of go deep, okay? Um, I, I, I heard it years ago that for, for every sermon, you gotta, it's like a swimming pool. You got to have a shallow end that's easy for people to get in. You got to have a deep end for those who like to go deep. How many of you like to go deep? Amen? Okay, so it says this. She, uh, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she'd suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she'd spent everything that she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. And she heard about Jesus, and so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself... If I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped. Immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. So Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. And so he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? And his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? Now, how many of you have ever been in a big crowd, and it's pretty tough to be in a big crowd and actually not, like, bump into people? Maybe for the last two and a half years, it's been a little easier because we've kind of, like, done this, like, social distancing thing, right? But years ago, Robbie and I went on, like, one of our first mission trips, and uh, we, went into, we went into London, actually, and uh, it was just like we had to get on the, they call it the, the, the tube. You got to get on the tube, right? And the platform is just crowded with people. And if you don't get on this thing, you're going to get, you know, you got to wait like 30 minutes to get the next one. And we had, we had some, you know, a church to go to or whatever. And so she was in front. And so she, she kind of steps up and politely just kind of puts her, puts her hand on the, on the uh, lower back of this guy. Just so, you know how you do that sometimes. Just let, let, let somebody know you're there. And basically, here's the crowd, and he says this. He says, who touched my bum? I mean, and everybody turned and looked, and she was just like as red as her hair was. It's like, I didn't. I did. He said, yes, you did, and you add all of it rather firmly. <laughs> it's hard to be in a crowd and not touch somebody, right? So the disciples were basically going, what are you talking about, Jesus? There is all kinds of people around you, but he felt that somebody had actually touched him and drawn something out of him, and he, and he sensed it. So he kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now, many of us have been in church for a while, can be so familiar with this story that we gloss over it. We just read over it. We speed read it. I want to talk about three principles in this story. The woman, Jesus, and the crowd. I want to unpack the life of this woman just for a few moments. For one, it's interesting that in all three accounts of this story, she was never identified by name. She was identified by her illness. We even talk to her about her today. We teach us the woman with the issue of blood. She was identified by her, her illness. 
And it's, it's interesting because we have a really good friend of ours that has come down with a, uh, with a condition called lupus. And man, she is adamant. She doesn't want people to know about it because she doesn't want to be identified with her illness. She doesn't want people to look at it. You know, and it's crazy because so many times that's what we do. We look, at, we, look at, we look at our past. We're identified with our past. We're identified with, the, you know, my, my mom, my testimony is my, my mom was a wonderful mom, but she just could not be in relationship with men. And she was divorced and remarried five different times. There was a, there was a she was known. She was known. And I'm telling you what, Jesus wants to actually take that away and completely obliterate that. So when we look at this, this condition made this uh, woman ceremonially unclean and marginalized in the culture. Most scholars believe that this issue of blood was a constant menstrual cycle. And think of the implications for that. This condition made her unclean, uh, unable to have a physical relationship with a husband as well as children. And, and we're talking about ceremonial because what happens is that in, in, in the culture, in the context, that basically a woman in this condition couldn't go into the temple, she couldn't worship, she couldn't touch other people because if she did, they would be unclean. So think about the ramifications for 12 years where she couldn't actually touch somebody. People die without touch. We're created for touch. We're created for community. And she, because of her illness, she couldn't actually function in, in community like she was created to. We're seeing the side effects of sheltering in place and isolation over the last couple or three years. In the, in the, in the culture, she was as good as dead, and she was treated as such. The account Mark, I think it's interesting, says she suffered much at the hands of physicians. Now, I always want to be careful because they've got a couple of great doctors in our congregation, but I thought about that. She suffered. Now, I thought it was interesting that, you know, Luke was a doctor, but Luke didn't actually say that part in his, in, in his narrative. You know, I'm thinking, okay, he's trying to, he's trying to pr- protect all his colleagues. But I thought about that. You know, I had never, I had never actually had a stitch broken a bone in my life until I was about 35 years old and I blew my knee out playing basketball, blew my ACL out. So the first time I have to go into a hospital and they have this hospital gown laying on the bed. And I'm like, what in the world is that? I'm supposed to actually wear that? You know, I mean, seriously. And, and, and I'm telling you what, they do not make hospital gowns for people that are like 6'5". They make them for people like, you know, 5'8". And the first time, I, thank goodness my wife was with me because I put it on. She says, honey, you got that on backwards. I'm like, oh, no, you're kidding me. I've got to turn it around the other way. And I actually made her walk behind me from this room to next because I don't want somebody seeing what might be hanging out behind. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing that is more like humbling than a hospital gown. I, I'm telling you what, sometimes in the medical field, you go in there, and especially as you get a little older, the check engine light comes on a little bit more often, right? And they do stuff that is not cool. Can I get an amen? amen. They touch stuff that they shouldn't be touching. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, you're going to do what to me? Okay. All right. But so this is what she's going through. She's tried everything. She's spent all of her money. No, nothing works. No hope. No future. She's literally bleeding to a slow death. And she's already most likely had the death of finances, relationships, 
present, future. And then think about the courage. Think about the desperate condition of her life to engage the crowd. Think about the risk of maybe even being stoned because she's entering into this society and everyone she touches would be ceremonial, unclean. Man, I'm telling you what. She had to approach from behind and she most likely had to stoop to be able to reach him. Let's talk about the crowd just for a few minutes. We talked that earlier after Jesus delivered the man from the demons and and set him in his right mind. I want to pick up that story real quick in Luke 8. Jesus had just sent the demons into a herd of pigs and they'd run down the cliff and drown. Okay, so that's kind of the context. And in Luke 8, 34, it says, when those who fed them saw what happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. And then they went out to see what happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also, who had seen it, told by them by what means you had been demon-possessed was healed. And then the whole multitude, that's the crowd, of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear, and he got into the boat and returned. We find that on one side of the sea, the crowd wanted him to leave. On the other side, the crowd welcomed him. Crowds can be fickle, y'all. Seriously. This crowd was unwilling to believe on this side that Jesus could deliver someone from demons and heal someone's mind. I also believe that it messed with their finances when he chucked those demons into those pigs and the pigs went down and committed, you know, pigicide down in the, in the, in the water. I mean, seriously, because it's like, I think it was their finances, right? No bacon, no bacon, you know? And then, and, and then the other thing, too, in my imagination kind of goes through. I think they maybe were exploiting this guy that was like, you know, screaming and in chains and running around. And I mean, I think it was a freak show. I think it was like, hey, you want to entrance into the haunted house where it's really haunted? I mean, there's something here that they, they, when he was healed and delivered of his right mind, they were like, Jesus, get out of here. We're comfortable with our bondage. We're comfortable with the state that we're in. Sometimes, even if it's not a state, the enemy can lull you into, into like, well, at least it's consistent. And I'm telling you what, Jesus is here today. The Holy Spirit, the oil of God is here today to release us into a new freedom. I just, I sense it in my spirit. So when I think about crowds, this woman had to fight her way through the crowd to get to the rescuer, to get to Jesus. And it's the only answer to her plight. So the crowd represents some things to me. First of all, the crowd of distraction. See, something in us knows that we need to be in a position to touch Jesus. But man, I'm telling you what, distractions, delays, we're, we're inundated with things that vie for our attention. We're inundated. We're assaulted. The average person, this is crazy, the average person encounters about 1,000 ads a day. When you look at driving down the road, you look at Facebook, social media, television, 
thousand, thousand ads a day. Do you know that the average, the average American, if they're 65 years old, has watched uh, uh, an average of three hours of television a day. By the time that he has got to 65 years old, he or she, he's watched an average of eight years of television. Conversely, the guy that's committed, rooted, planted in a local church, let me just throw this out here. I didn't do this as the first service. This is free. If that same person is committed, and we're talking committed, we're talking, man, we are in the house. We're in the house every Sunday. Every Sunday till he's 65, he will have spent eight months in church. I'm telling you what, there is a battle, and the ammunition from the enemy is far superior if we don't understand what's happening. So the crowd... The crowds, our calendar, our hobbies, our self-interest just crowd out the intimacy that God wants. The second one is the crowd of pride. Pride is one of the seven deadly sins, and pride has nine lives. Come on. Uh, if you don't think so, then let me, uh, let me go buy you a hospital gown. <laughs> we'll find out, right, right, right. That'll take you down a notch, maybe two. And I think, I don't know, man, we, we got nurses. I think they enjoy it. It's like, here, here's this hospital gown. See how you like that? And they give you the little socks. The socks are not much different. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow, I got some socks and I got this flimsy little thing. But, but pride, see, this woman had no pride left, and she was going to press, she was going to elbow, she's going to belly cross, she's going to hallelujah kick. She's going to do whatever she could to get through this crowd despite the danger, despite the touching people, because she knew she needed to touch Jesus. She was committed. Stoop. Stoop commits of pride. It speaks of pride. I'm, I'm going to stoop. Or how about the crowd of unbelief? See, her healing was faith and action illustrated together. There's a partnership. It really wasn't in line theologically. Okay, now l- let me explain that. The usual Jewish notion was that the impure will defile the pure. This story illustrates that the pure cleansed the impure. That was different. Something shifted. Something shifted. This was also the first time that you see in the Bible that Jesus was touched. Come on, say touched. And someone was healed. That it was the first time that he was touched and someone was healed. It was almost the accidental healing account. Interestingly, afterward, the scripture records it became very commonplace. It shifted something. We see in Matthew, or I'm sorry, Mark 6, 56, whenever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many touched him were made well. When she touched Jesus. She paved the way. Something shifted. The report was out. It was like, did you hear about that woman that received healing? And you know what she did? She didn't like, she didn't do everything right. She just kind of positioned herself so that she could touch him. And the word got out. And people, it gave them hope. Your, your healing, your breakthrough will actually give other people hope. 
Like, did you, listen, last week, we're, we're seeing an amazing amount of healing in our church. Last week, there was a young lady that came, and, uh, you know, we got people up front, and, you know, they're praying, and they're praying with faith, and they're activating stuff, and this, this young lady came up, and she had, her, she had her arm in a sling, and basically, she had a rotator cuff injury that actually, she said, was going to require surgery. Couldn't, I mean, so, so they asked her, well, what's your level of pain, 1 to 10? They said, it's a 10. So our team just began to pray. I just kind of didn't think about it too much. Okay, cool, she's getting prayed for. And then, you know, after the first service, I came back in the sanctuary, and one of the guys said, "Hey, hey, pastor, there's going to be a there's going to be a there's a sling up 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 on the platform because this young lady got completely healed. She actually had full range of motion and no pain." And I'm like, "Whoa, we got to get oh we got to get everybody up here. God is moving and He's breathing." And I know sometimes maybe you're here and you feel like, man, I've, I've been prayed for this situation or that situation or this physical thing that's going. It might be the hundred and first time that you step through the crowd uh, of distraction. You step through the crowd of, of, of peer pressure. We're going to talk about peer pressure because this story illustrates some things about healing. Think about this. There's a crowd around him. There had to be sick and broken people, yet this woman was healed because faith and action go together. Now, Jesus said this, your faith has made you whole. The story illustrates some things about healing. We always look for a method. We're, we're kind of like Methodists in a way. I mean, seriously, you take, a, you take a, a worship leader and a song just like, oh, my goodness, the glory of God just came in the song. Well, let's do that song again. And then do it again and do it again. We, we're kind of method-based. But when you look at this passage of Scripture, you find like two or three different things that we have to unpack. For example, we see in the same passage that the daughter of Jairus is healed, brought back to life. And obviously, it wasn't the daughter's faith because she was dead. Right? It was her father's faith. And, you know, and then I think about the story of Lazarus. You know, I mean, as we're, we're coming into the Resurrection Sunday, we're coming at Easter. A lot of times people are preaching about Lazarus. And I mean, it wasn't the faith of Martha. It wasn't the faith of Lazarus because he was dead. He'd been in the tomb for four days. It wasn't the faith of Mary and Martha because they were kind of bagging on Jesus a little bit. Like, if you just come sooner, he would have been healed. Now he's dead. Are you sure you want, uh, are you sure you want to do this, Jesus? He's been in there for four days. He stinks. Right? And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Okay? So we see this. There's a mystery of sorts to these things, but I have faith that if we will press in to touch Jesus, that something will happen. Can I have our worship team just kind of come up and I want to preach through the rest of this. And I just feel like God wants to activate some things in, in this crowd today. I really do. We're seeing some amazing things happen when we press through. And I'm gonna give, we're, we're going to give you a chance to press through. But when we look at this, there's a mystery. But I'm convinced that to see healing, I, I just need to be willing to pray for healing. If I don't pray for it, I won't see it. Faith pursues what others just hope for. There's faith and then there's pursuing it. There's, there's, there's putting that faith to action. Um, Augustine wrote this, flesh presses but faith touches. Faith built an ark before there was rain. 
Come on, can you, can you imagine how much faith that took for Noah? Because the Bible said they hadn't seen rain. He was building something that nobody had ever really had a need for. What's a flood? But I'm going to have faith in God. Faith builds things before we even see the need for them. And can you imagine the ridicule that he walked through? Can you imagine the neighborhood? What are you building? It's an ark. Why are you building it? As God told me to. Can you imagine the faith? The Bible says that it took him most likely 120 years. But he still, I'm going to get up every day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my hand to this thing. I'm going to build what God's told me to build. I'm going to activate faith. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust Him. And sometimes we just get over. We, we, we try once and we try twice. There's a faith that's required. It says, Abraham believed God and was counted unto him as righteousness. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, now sometimes we, faith, the term can sound a little ethereal, especially if you're not like, you know, you're kind of new in the faith. Take that word and just kind of use the word trust because it, faith and trust, trust God. I'm going to have faith and I'm going to trust him. Faith trusts God in spite of the pain. Faith commanded the sun to set still. Faith commands the mountains to move. There's this faith. You can be in the crowd and not have faith. There's the crowd of popularity, the crowd of peer pressure. It can keep us all from reaching all that we have for Jesus. She passed through the crowd and she even probably went against the crowd. And there was lots of people in that crowd who were sick, who were broken in despair. Lots of people in the crowd who were curious. They just kind of wanted to see. And yet she was the one that received it because she pushed through the crowd. She took the step and she was healed. Can I ask you this this morning? Why did you come? Why did we come this morning? We have a chance to touch Jesus. And we can get in a position where He wants us to be so He can touch us. You know, if you don't know this Savior, this Rescuer, I believe that today your steps have been ordered so that you could be, even though it feels like a crowd, you could reach in and you could touch Him and He could touch you. And you don't have to remain the same because the rescuer, Jesus, is in our midst. You don't have to remain the same. You don't have to remain in bondage because Jesus, the rescuer, is here in our midst. Come on, you don't have to remain captive because Jesus, the rescuer, is in our midst. You don't have to remain captive to addiction. You don't have to remain captive to your past. You don't have to remain captive to condemnation because Jesus, our rescuer, is in our midst. And there's a point in time where you'll be invited to press through the crowd and I believe that God wants to touch you. This woman was illustrated to us 
all what it means to be tenacious and pursue. I, listen, I want to read part of the story again and, and just point out something that really impacted me. I'd never really considered this like this. So in Mark 5, we know that she heard about Jesus and she came through the crowd and and, and immediately it says the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body. Jesus realized virtue had flowed out of him. But he kept looking around to see who touched me. She comes to him in verse 33 says, Then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, listen, I want you to hear this. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Remember how she'd been only identified by her illness. The woman with the issue of blood. Now Jesus calls her daughter. It changes everything. The only time in Scripture that he did this, and it signifies that she belongs to him. There's something about belonging to him, and when he calls you son, when he calls you daughter, you, 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 the entrance into this kingdom of God, which is, is not eating or drinking, it's righteousness, peace, and joy. Jesus said this, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And now he calls her daughter. Jesus restored her identity. There's a beautiful song. It's called Rescue. And the singer is speaking from God's perspective and says this, I hear the whisper underneath your breath. I hear you whisper, you have nothing left. I'll send an army to find you. I'll send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true. I will rescue you. Jesus, the rescuer, is here this morning. Jesus' words were, come, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's an invitation to healing. It's an invitation to restoration. It's an invitation to everything that God holds in His heart for His people. It's an invitation for purpose again in your life. It's an invitation that broken things are made whole. It's an invitation to repair, to restore, to release you into a, a just a, a new a new place in the journey in your walk. It's an invitation that beats back the ravages of hell on earth. Some of us have just walked around and we are like the walking dead. We've got so much stuff, but God wants to just release us from that and put us into a new freedom. An invitation that brings hope and destroys hopelessness. Can I ask you this morning to press through the crowd of unbelief? Can I ask you to just press through the crowd of same old, same old? And don't be content with where you're at. I, I, I'm at this place in my life where I'm down here and I'm, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to just sense what the Holy Spirit is and say, God, I just need more of you. I need to decrease that you might increase. I just need more of you. That's really the heart. Will you come through the crowd today and touch healing or deliverance today? Can I ask you to come through the crowd of unbelief right now and open the door of your heart to accept this invitation of life?